Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be groovy. Welcome to Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. Um, My name is Holly Rustic, and I am your grant writing expert. Um, We are definitely getting back into how to find grants, um, that whole segment that we've been talking about. Uh, Last week, we did jump over to GDPR for nonprofits and grant writers just because it was time relevant. Um, And today, we are going back into how to find grants and contracts. So we're actually going to be looking at contracts today and we're going to look at the four best places to find contracts for nonprofits. So before I get into this segment, please, um, if you haven't already, go ahead and check out grantwritingandfunding.com and join the free membership. You can go ahead and you'll get um, top 10 tips to position yourself uh, your, or your nonprofit for funding, as well as other weekly opportunities. So I have grant opportunities that go out every week. And also you'll get reminder or just little blurbs on the podcast and also the blog. So if you're more into reading, you know, rather, <laughs> rather than listening, although you're probably into listening since you're listening to it right now. But you can definitely read um, just some blurbs, too, on what the podcast is about and any other grant relevant information that I find throughout the week. You can definitely check that out. So that will go to your inbox. Every week you will get an email and you also get discounts to courses and books and, and trainings and everything else that comes with WeGo. So thanks so much, guys. Those of you who have signed up, I'm really excited. I, I love getting your questions. And yeah, so that's the other thing, too. If you have any questions, hollywego at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out and ask me any grant writing or funding related questions. Okay, so let's get into today because I know you guys want to get more money for your nonprofits. I know you're out there. Sometimes grants can just seem overwhelming or there's just not a cycle that's open for you at the time and you want to kind of see what else is out there. And even if you are applying for grants and, you know, at the same time you have a grant going out and then a contract comes up, go ahead and go for it if it fits your project. But what are contracts? So let's just get right into it. So finding money in your city, state, or region may not be as difficult as you think. So in today's podcast, you're going to get four tips on how to find local funding through contracts that are published through request for proposals or known as commonly known as RFPs. According to TechSoup, a request for proposal or RFP is a document that describes a project's needs and asks for proposed solutions from qualified vendors. So you're really looking more at providing a direct service or product or need for a certain city or state agency. You know, so it's, it, it is very different in some ways, in many ways, than a grant. We're going to talk, talk about the differences first. So 
Why should your nonprofit apply for an RFP to get a contract rather than solely looking for grants? Well, contracts can be advantageous when compared to grants as they do not have the same rigorous components as grants. Most nonprofits love contracts as the reporting requirements can seem like kindergarten requirements compared to complex federal college, advanced college <laughs> grants, all right? So however, before you ditch all the grant seeking and chase only after contracts, note that contracts are legally binding. And if you do not adhere to the requirements, you could be brought to court and I doubt you have bail money as a category in your budget. But having said that, contracts are pretty awesome. For example, let's pretend your nonprofit supports street artists. The city you live in has an agency that releases an RFP to install murals in an urban area that is focused on revitalization. If your nonprofit is eligible for the requirements and your project meets the scope of work, you might want to consider applying for this opportunity. The RFP will give you an outline of the specific desired scope of work, a deadline, a site visit location and time if required, and any other pertinent information. Let's examine that example in more detail. So say this RFP scope of work may be to complete eight murals of certain sizes that reflect the historical landmarks of the city. And the RFP they may ask for the following, certain types of paint to be used, specific sizes of the murals, deadlines for project completion, a brochure to go with the murals that explain each one, the artist, a description of the historical landmark that it's supposed to represent, and plus you need to make a thousand copies of brochures on certain types of paper. You can see how technically specific contracts can get. Nevertheless, the more specific the RFP is, the easier it is for you to understand your pricing and to know if you're going to be competitive in the bidding process. So if you have already, you know, these artists that have experience with murals outside and, you know, blah, 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 and you understand types of paint and everything like that, you're going to be a lot more prepared. Let's say maybe you think, oh, okay, it has to do with um, painting and all your artists ever do are inside uh, acrylic paints on canvas and they've never done anything outside. It's not to say you're not competitive because maybe there's none in this city and at least, you know, you're getting an edge because you actually have artists, but it, it makes you kind of less competitive. So you you really understand when it gives you the details how competitive you will be in the bidding process as well as how to understand your price because a lot of times they're not going to say we're going to give you fifty thousand dollars and you work it out like a grant you know it has a ceiling you just kind of have to work out your budget and then you negotiate so it's it's very different so you and you don't know somebody else submitting a bid they could put one in that's lower than yours you know and that's really where it becomes very competitive is in the pricing structure not only are reporting systems usually way simpler compared to grants so yes it's a little bit you know you're trying to underbid somebody else in the bidding process, but once you get the, the contract, reporting systems are usually way simpler. The golden gem is that with contracts, you do not have to spend the exact amount you said you were going to for each category and submit receipts. A grant will ensure you track all your expenditures equal to the amount of grant monies received, right? So in other words, for a grant, you are strictly asking for a certain amount for certain expenditures and then spending that exact amount on those expenditures. I mean, sometimes you can flex a little bit about 10% or something like that, but usually, you know, you want to try to stick to that as much as possible. But for a contract, you are just approximating a budget, saying you will need a certain scope of work 
and then you report on meeting the deliverables. It doesn't matter if you were able to get any services or products at a reduced cost, which you should try to do as long as you meet the standards and requirements for those services or products and you do not ask for more money, then you only report on the deliverables, not on the budget. So what does that mean? Well, it means all of a sudden that you have some money that you can put in other categories Maybe you want to fund a grant writer. I mean, these are different things. You can pretty much spend the money. It doesn't become something that's reserved for or earmarked for a certain category any longer, but it becomes a part of your nonprofit's operating expenses, which is fantastic because a lot of times grants don't, you know, really give you those organizational operation cost. So this is where you can get some of those monies to fill those gaps that grants don't cover. So even say, for instance, a grant covers a a housing project where you're able to house victims of domestic assault, and but they have to all be a certain age because the grant was meant for a certain age group. So maybe youth, maybe 12 to 21 years old or something like that. And then you have somebody come in that's 25 and you don't, you know, they, they, you don't want to necessarily say we have no place for you here, especially if they're a victim. You want to be able to offer them that space, but you know that the grant won't give you um, funding for that individual because they don't meet the grant requirements. Well, this contract money that you might be able to have, um, as long as you're meeting all your deliverables for your contract, all of a sudden you can fund that person with these monies because they're not, they don't have those kind of requirements on them. So they are beautiful. Monies that come through contracts, absolutely gorgeous. You guys should really try to go after these. I'm going to show you where they find them or where to find them in just a second. Okay, I'm just gonna look at a budget just so you kind of understand this a little bit more. So say you put together a budget and you said, okay, we're gonna put 5% of our executive director, so $2,500, fringe benefits, we're gonna give them you know, FICA and the workers' comp, so that's gonna be a little bit of cash there. And then the equipment, we're not purchasing any equipment, so that's at zero. So you can see I'm still personnel, fringe benefits, equipment. A lot of um, contracts don't ask for these certain kind of categories, but I would keep it consistent with grants so your budgets look the same across all your programs, otherwise it can get confusing. But it's really easy. Under consultants, contractors, that category, you could put your artist labor at say $20,000, designing and editing brochures at two and a half thousand, researchers on historical sites at 8,000. Then you have your supplies category, maybe 200 gallons of paint, I have no idea, (laughs) paintbrushes, drop cloths, all that for 4,200. Printing would be $500 for 1,000 copies of the brochure. And then you have an indirect line where you have your administration at a little over 2,000. So altogether your budget, say you're gonna bid at 40,000 with all of these costs. Now this is a completely fictitious budget as I'm not sure what costs are associated with painting murals, but it gives you an idea. But the thing with contracts is that most sources usually do not ask for receipts or logs for the expenditures, such as did your executive director actually spend 10% of their time on the project? Grants will ask you for that information. Contracts won't, right? So grants will ask you to account for this information through documentation, Contracts just require you to submit reports on the deliverables, such as, did you get one mural complete each month? Or eight, the eight murals by the end of the deadline, right? Did you design the, pro- the brochure to include the appropriate amount of historical research and print 1,000 copies? 
If you complete the scope of work, you get the money. And honestly, you might not need to use the entire $500 for printing brochures. So you can use excess of any of these monies to fund other project initiatives, like I mentioned before. You can see how contracts could be very advantageous compared to grants, as it allows much more flexibility with the funding if you meet the scope of work and timely deliverables. All right, if you don't do that, remember it goes back to this is a this is actually a legally binding contract. You might, I mean, they can basically take you to court. So you need to really understand your money. You can't just blow it on anything you want. You still need to meet the deliverables, the scope of work, and a timely manner. Each agency has their own requirements, so you need to review the RFP and the contract award on what their requirements are, what the reporting requirements are. Some states ask for, hey, you know, we need a monthly report just to kind of know where you're at, um, how many murals you got done this month, whatever. So, you know, it kind of varies on which, uh, which agency you're working with. Now let's get into where to find out about city, state, and federal contracts. There are four main places to look for these contracts. One, online agency websites. Two, paid online subscriptions to third-party websites. Three, FedBizOps. It's a great website. Number four, local newspaper, your local newspaper. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you the pros and cons really briefly about each of these or, or each of these places where you can find contracts. Okay, number one, online agency websites. Online agency websites are a great place to find out about upcoming RFPs, to see previous funding, and to be alerted for upcoming opportunities. The thing about online agency websites is that they are all very different. For example, you may go to your city website and see a menu for upcoming RFPs. So if you have never heard that word before, you'll probably see it. They might call it bids. Um, RFPs is usually the kind of the going term, so you can go ahead and click and you'll be able to find this somewhere on their website, but you may only see a handful of opportunities. Where it's at, I can't tell you where it's at in the menu or the headers. All cities have their own website managers and developers and they all do it in a different way, but it should be there somewhere. On the other hand, if you go directly to different agency websites within your city, you may see more RFPs. This may be due to the agency not having a system of reporting every RFP to the city, or the city website just not being updated every time they receive an RFP, which is very likely. So it really depends on who is managing the websites, how often they update the website, and how those websites are laid out. It may also be very difficult to find where the RFPs are located on the websites, like I had mentioned, so it could take considerable time to actually dig through each website and find where these contracts are. Although it is good to go through some of these agency websites, don't get completely turned off by this because you really want to get a pulse on what's going on in your community, and you also want to see, um, you know, you might say, okay, I know these certain agencies, there's a, say, a humanities council, there's an arts council, you know, these might actually jive more if you have the street artist nonprofit, you know, so you want to kind of see, or a revitalization, um, you know, they have some kind of agency that oversees that, so you really want to look at specific agencies there and kind of be more on the edge of all of that. But, you know, just check it out from time to time. Here's your pros on online agency websites. It's free, and connects you directly to the source. The cons, agency websites can be burdensome to look through. You have to make an effort to look through those websites on a consistent basis. 
and the updates are not always timely. So there's some pros and cons, but definitely check some out. Get your, like I said, get your finger on the pulse, see what's happening in your community. All right, the next one, paid online subscriptions. In the world of access to information, there oftentimes comes a price tag. You will be able to find many online databases for state and federal contracts. They charge you because they actually go in and they mine the data. So they spend a lot of time doing the research and actually putting that together, providing a platform for you to actually research this. So, I mean, there's definitely a price tag, but is it a payoff? Well, that's really up to you. The question is kind of the downfall on this is do they really go into your state or city agency websites to mine those most recent RFPs or do they only report on certain RFPs that are published to the city's website? Do they even look at the city's website? That's another question to consider. Where are they getting their information from and how often do they actually update it and, you know, go out there and look for it? This is an issue, although you may prefer paying a fee to save you time of searching for RFPs. So the pros for paid online subscription, it's a one-stop shop for looking for city, state, and federal RFPs. Cons, paid subscriptions are required, so it's going to cost you money. And it isn't clear where the sites are getting information or how often they update the information. Okay, the next one, number three, FedBizOps. So FedBizOps.gov is a website that provides free access to federal solicitations. And if you've been following along to the grant writing and funding podcast, then you have actually heard me mention FedBizOps before, right? So it's a great place to find contracts, federal contracts, mind you. All right, you can even sign up for an email newsletter and select categories of funding and geographic areas that you're most interested in. This is great as you don't have to remember to jump on the site to look for RFPs since it's delivered straight to your inbox. This site is only for federal solicitations and won't alert you to your city and state agency RFPs though. But it is worth signing up for the federal solicitations. I will say that a majority of these are geared toward for-profit agencies and services or products for federal agencies, so that serve them. But getting a contract here and there for providing specific services for the federal government is a great subsidy for your overall budget, right? Like that can really offset some costs. Like I said, you can get some of those funds that will actually, you can put towards your operational costs, which is fantastic. So the pros for FedBizOps is it's free, and you can get solicitations delivered to your inbox. Cons, it is only for federal RFPs and there may be few and far between that fit in with the projects of your nonprofit. All right, so they're not really geared, this isn't really geared towards nonprofit work. Although this could be a great way where your nonprofit can develop an earned income side. So where you actually start developing a certain service or product to earn money in a for-profit kind of manner. I mean, obviously you're still a nonprofit, but if you look at it more like a business side, um, you know, like a lot of different nonprofits, they'll have a thrift store or a coffee shop or, you know, some kind of way to actually earn income. This could be a, an opportunity for you to say, hey, what's really out there? What's what's something that we think we could do that we're seeing a lot in FedBiz Ops? You know, there's a lot of solicitations and RFPs coming out in this area and we could easily fill those needs while not taking away so much from our mission and also generate some income. So that would be a great opportunity and you know a little masterminding group for you guys to brainstorm and come up with some ideas. Number four, my favorite, <laughs> newspapers. The good old printed or online newspaper. <laughs> 
Many cities require that local municipalities publish RFPs through the newspaper to ensure a conflict-free bidding process, or just a bidding process in general, so they get at least three bids. Honestly, this is one of the best resources that I use to peruse current RFPs. It acts as a one-stop shop as each agency will release their RFP about 30 days before the deadline. I don't have to go through different websites and I usually just peruse a newspaper while I'm at the gym or at a coffee shop because they're free there for their customers, so yay. <laughs> so it gives me a great snapshot of everything that is available. And as an added plus, I'm able to grab any current statistics from the news articles for my grant writing. So this is definitely a win-win-win. I love it. So the pros for newspapers, it is free online or at coffee shops and libraries, <laughs> or it's just a minimal cost if you actually want to buy a copy of it yourself. You can get timely announcements and it's relevant to your geographic area. Cons? None. Love it. So there you go. I would definitely mix up these four. I would look at them all. I wouldn't just stick to one or the other, but you know, really see how you can, maybe you get FedBizOps, you're getting that delivered now directly to your inbox with your category and your geographic area. So that's great. So you have one way of doing research in that way. And then you're also looking at your city websites from time to time. And you're also, you know, maybe checking out and saying, hey, should we pay for something? I mean, you don't have to at all. I'm not an advocate of that, but you know, you can look and see if that's something you're more interested in. So definitely look at all of these ways. And then, of course, check your local newspaper every day while you're out at the coffee shop or whatnot. So there you go. That sums it up. The importance and value of contracts via RFPs and where to find them. To share any of your thoughts, just go ahead and send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. You can also um, go to the website and read this as a blog if you'd like. You can share it on any any of your social media. That would be great as well. And please um, leave, an, leave a re honest review on iTunes. Um, that really, really helps. The ratings and reviews help. So that would be fantastic. I would love that. And as always, you guys, um, come on and join our grant writing and funding membership. It's totally free. You get lots of great, great resources. So uh, one more thing, I am coming to Michigan and Hawaii in July. So I'll be at the end of mid to the end of July in Michigan and Hawaii. I will be there the first week of August. I will be doing some grant training. So if you're in those areas, go ahead and send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. And I would love to connect with you while I am traveling this summer. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the grant writing and funding podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.